Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. State legislators met last month to discuss whether footage captured by police body cameras should be made public. Indiana law doesn't provide specific direction as to whether the uh, footage should be available to the public. But it does have what's called an investigatory record exception, which means law enforcement can indefinitely withhold information if it's involved in an investigation, even after that investigation is over. We're going to talk about um, this uh, footage and this complex issue today with two guests who we have with us. Uh, Mike Dekoff is here in the studio. Mike Dekoff has been here with us before. He's the chief of police in uh, Bloomington with the Bloomington Police Department. And also joining us by phone from his office in Indianapolis is Luke Britt, the Indiana Public Access Counselor. I will say I've worked with uh, Mr. Britt on a number of issues involving public access, and he's a very reasonable guy, and we're really lucky to have him with us here today as well. You can ask your questions uh, by phone at 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash Noon Edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So welcome back, Chief. Thanks. And Luke, glad to have you. Thank you, Bob. Mary Catherine. Hi, Bob. Always good to see you. Always good to see you. All right. Well, this is a very complicated issue, and, and, uh, you know, I know... I've already written one column about it, and I, I may have been right and may have been wrong. It's always the case. Uh, Chief, I wanted you to talk uh, first, though, about you know what, kind, what, what does Bloomington Police Department have in the way of body cameras, and what happens to that footage now? Well, we were kind of ahead of, I think, a lot of departments in Indiana and around the country. We actually purchased our first set of, of cameras in 2013. Um, you know, a lot has been... Um, a lot of coverage has been out there in the media with, with events around the country, um, so we kind of started before that. Um, what we do is we, we originally purchased 30 cameras. We wanted to try them out to see how they would work. We had actually looked at body cameras a couple of years before that even and um, had demo units. They just we weren't, we weren't really sold on the technology at the time. It was, it was uh, cumbersome. The cameras just didn't. So that it's, it's better today than it was then. Um, but we have our uniformed officers, when they are out working on patrol, they have the cameras. If you've ever seen a police officer, it's like a, about the size of a pager. It goes right on the front of their, their uniform shirt. Um, and they activate those cameras anytime they have interactions with the public. Okay. So they have to remember to do that? They have to press a button or something? Yeah, it, it's, they're real simple. It's got a little uh, lens cover on it, and you just slide it up, and that turns it on. Uh, yeah, I'd say I'd forget to do that, but okay. <laughs> All right, that's uh, probably another good reason I'm not a police officer. <laughs> reason number, yeah. yeah. Hey, 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 Sorry. hey. Uh, Luke, um, so what is uh, the current, your, your, at least your feeling about the current state law about the records that are kept by these cameras? Well, right now I think uh, they would fall into what's called the investigatory record exception to disclosure. So if someone were to make a public records request upon a law enforcement agency for the footage, then the law enforcement agency would have the discretion to decide whether they want to release that footage or withhold it. Um, when I'm counseling law enforcement agencies on best practices when it comes to public access and things like that, I advise them that I, I think it's best to, uh, to determine on a case-by-case basis whether the release of either footage or any other kind of investigatory record would compromise the integrity of that investigation. And if it would do so, if, if there was sensitive information that may jeopardize a lead or something like that, then by all means it should be withheld. But in cases where the case is closed or it doesn't reveal any kind of sensitive um, material or information, then I think um, law enforcement should uh, decide to exercise that discretion judiciously in favor of um, transparency and releasing the record. Now, I want to get a little background on the, on your office and your job, the Indiana Public Access Counselor. And, you know, we in the media will call you on a fairly regular basis uh, to ask you about, you know, whether somebody is withholding information that the public has a right to, to, to get to. But as I understand it, you know, the media is really a small part of what you do. It is. Um, I'd say 10 to 15 percent 
of all of the issues that I deal with involve the media. Most of the time it's interested members of the public who are just uh, wanting to know what their representative government is doing. Um, so if that means, you know, they to attend a, a public meeting and, and observe and record that or to, to gather information, budgets, meeting minutes, things like that, um, that that's the normal thing I deal with. Mm-hmm. And in, then you will write, uh, if there's been a complaint made to you, uh, you'll write either uh, you'll write an advisory opinion which will give your your thoughts on the matter correct yeah i interpret the situation based on the existing law and uh and and there's a lot of public policy to this as well um and and not being a regulatory agency i don't have any um means or method to compel disclosure or to compel an open meeting um I, I think that public policy element is important, and and to fill in some of the gaps in the law to advise public agencies on what best practice would be. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you testified uh, at the uh, the hearing, the the interim study committee, and I think you pointed out that some of the complexities of this issue. So I wanted to give you the opportunity first, and then the chief has, I'm sure, a whole set of complexities as well. Sure, sure, and and you know I think the, the the you know the chief would be probably better situated to to talk about the ins and outs of it from a law enforcement perspective. But from what I've seen around the state and around the country as well, um, are are a lot of moving parts when it comes to this kind of footage. Um, you know, I think everyone agrees on, on a basic level that uh, body cameras are a good idea for protection of officers and protection of law enforcement liability as well as public safety as well. But with that also comes balancing issues of uh, personal privacy and expectations of privacy from the public. Um, sometimes these officers and, and these cameras go where the public normally wouldn't be able to go, in, inside homes, inside businesses, things like that, and capturing footage that, that wouldn't normally be exposed to public scrutiny. Um, so when it comes to those types of things, there, there is a balance between, okay, what is you know, best for uh, public scrutiny and what is best for privacy. So... Um, you know, any number of things could could come up during even a routine traffic stop. If someone's pulled over and there's, um, you know, information there, if the officer's looking at a driver's license and it shows, you know, the driver's license number and home address and any kind of uh, restrictions or anything like that, that's that's personal information. And normally that that type of thing wouldn't be disclosed. Um, but now with these with this new technology that's capturing this footage and this information. Uh, the issue becomes okay what what do we do with this if if someone requests this footage because the the, the footage itself um, is uh, is an electronic recording and that squarely falls within the definition of what is considered a public record by Indiana law so ostensibly any of that information uh, could be potentially disclosed regardless of what it captures. So it adds an element uh, uh, of responsibility to law enforcement to, to make that judgment call. Uh, what's in the best interest of the public to disclose, and what should we withhold either for public safety or privacy or investigatory uh, um, uh, issues, and, and why, you know, th- so they have that discretion, that decision, that choice um, of how they need to to go about releasing information. It kind of seems to me that almost should be a more of a judicial function than a law enforcement function, <clears throat> pardon me, at some point. Yeah, the way the law is written now, though, it gives that, it gives very broad discretion to law enforcement. Um, and there's all kinds of uh, opinions out there as to whether or not that's appropriate, um, because it's a very broad exception in Indiana. That goes on indefinitely. So any investigatory record that's compiled in the course of an investigation would be captured potentially by this exception to disclosure. Um, and so... Currently, there isn't much case law from the courts as to whether law enforcement is, um, you know, using this exception appropriately or judiciously. Um, if it comes to me through the adversarial process and in a, in a complaint form, then I kind of step in the shoes of uh, of what what I think a court might say, um, and in, in interpreting that law. But again, you know, the way the statute is written, I'm bound by that. I just kind of add a flavor of public policy to it. Mm-hmm. 
All right, Mike. So same question. Let's talk about the complexity. And, and, and <clears throat> I guess before that even, I mean, what, what do you do now with the footage that's captured? Well, now we, we have, and I'm not a computer expert here, but we have, I think they say they're terabytes. We have lots of terabytes of storage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we are extremely busy, so we capture a lot of information. Um, we have servers that will keep things for about 30 days. And then if, if it's not something that we have flagged to save, then it falls off at, at the end of that, that time period. Um, and so currently, we, we have a policy, a general order on how we use the body cams. And it's based off of a model policy that the International Association of Chiefs of Police came up with. Um, you know, you're right. There are lots of complexities. We have to... Uh, anything, whether it's an arrest or any any type of investigation, anything that we capture in regards to those situations are immediately flagged by the officer, and, and copies of that video are are burned onto discs and saved for investigative purposes. But if it's just you know, if I stop, we'll 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 say Mary Catherine mm-hmm. on the street, um, and you know for whatever reason, and it doesn't rise to the level of, you know, a citation or criminal charges or anything like that, I, I wouldn't necessarily keep that video. Um, so it's not, it wouldn't be flagged, but eventually it would fall off of the servers that we have that we download all the, the footage to. Mm-hmm. Um, privacy is a huge concern. Um, you know, within our policy, if we are in someone's residence and they request that we turn off the camera, um, we will do that. The officer is to document that in a case report as to why. Mm-hmm. Um, but we understand those concerns. You know, obviously, um, it's, it's interactions when the officer with someone else. So, um, you know, we're not going to be, they're not going to have it on all the time. They're not, if they're eating dinner, they're not going to have it on there. If they're in the restroom, they're not going to have it on. So there, there are lots of privacy issues that, that you have to think about. Um, we've tried to address all of those in, in our our policy. It's going to be interesting to see what the legislature does. Um, you know, I'm, I, I am president of the Indiana Chiefs Association this year, and we have uh, been invited to to these hearings to discuss our concerns about things. And so we have people that that are doing that. Um, you know, I, I also know of departments though that haven't implemented body cameras because of they don't know how the state's going to draft any kind of legislation. Um, you know, it, it could come to a point where it's cost prohibitive for us to store everything. Um, because the other thing you have to think about is, yes, you know, storage, I'm told computer storage is cheap. But if we are inundated with public access requests for, for this video, we're going to have to hire additional people just to respond to those requests. And so... Um, it, so it is. It's it's very complicated. You know, I, I certainly want our department to be transparent. I want us to have this footage for people, um, not only for evidence, but um, you know, studies have showed that it reduces complaints. And I can say that we have had people who have complained on officers. And when we say, well, we're going to go pull the officer's body camera um, video to see what happened, I have had people withdraw complaints. Um, you know, we have had people who have complained, and we've pulled the video, and and there's nothing there. There's there's no complaint. So it, it has helped with that. Um, you know, we have captured some really crucial evidence before. I mean, uh, last November we had the uh, the uh, sexual assault um, right off campus, off of Indiana Avenue, and the officer had a body cam, and he captured. The, the video footage wasn't that good because it was very dark, but the audio captured everything that happened. And so those types of situations, um, they're, it's extremely valuable. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about everything that happened in that case, they came in, the officer came in on a situation and somebody fled and he shot at the guys. Well, that, they shot first they shot at first, the officer yeah. um, and um, the officer returned fire, but all of that was captured on, on the uh, body cam. Mm-hmm. Okay. So under normal circumstances, uh, I assume it's just police officers, uh, people within the department who review body cam footage. Does the Board of Public Safety ever get pulled in, or is it just strictly uh, employee interdepartmental? It's, it's interdepartmental. It's, it's, uh, at the end of each shift, um, the officers plug it into a computer, and it down, downloads mm-hmm. all the video on it, and then... Um, 
as I said earlier, if it's if it's flagged because there was an arrest situation or something like that, mm-hmm. then a copy of that is is made, um, and then that is put into evidence under the case report that the officer called in. So if if it's if it's an actual arrest, not just an interaction, but an actual arrest, you're you're pretty much going to save that as yes. a matter of routine. Yes. Okay. But I think uh, before I give our phone numbers again, I think in this particular case, if I'm not mistaken, that our reporter asked about that. Um, body cam video and I believe you guys showed it to her yes and because it was you know she asked and you said sure we'll let you see it and so we were able to describe what was in that as well that's your discretion that's what one of the things Luke Britt was talking about yeah and and every you know it's because we we do get frequent requests um, we run all of those past our attorneys to make sure that um, we're complying with the law and and uh, so you know ultimately it's 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 up to our attorneys as to what we release, but they're certainly following the, the guidelines from the public access people in Indianapolis and, and following state statute. Do you like them or dislike them? As a, um, in you know, the, the cameras? Yes. Okay. There are certainly are benefits to them. Um, they, they are expensive. Um, you know, we had a situation back in January where one of them was stolen. Yeah, and so, um, but it, 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 there, there is transparency there, and and with with what is going on all over the country, um, you know, people are concerned about law enforcement officers and and what they do. Um, that provides, I believe, transparency. It protects the officer. It, it answers questions. Um, you know, people need to understand though. There, there are going to be times where something happens very quickly, and the officer doesn't have the camera on. Um, and so, uh, you know, what I what I my my fear is is that. We're, I, what I hope we don't get to is a point where everything that a police officer does has to be recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's the Supreme Court came down not too long ago saying that that all interviews that we conduct have to be recorded. Um, you know, for us to buy stuff, it, it's expensive. By interview, to me, we mean interrogation. Yes, yes. Um, you know, so for us to buy body cams, it's expensive. For Indianapolis to buy body cams, it's a lot more expensive. Right. And so, you know, and there there's grant funding. Um, but, again, I mean, we put in for a grant to get body cams, and we didn't get the grant. So, you know, it, if, if the public expects that this is going to happen overnight, it's not. Mm-hmm. Because um, a lot of departments don't have the capabilities to buy the technology. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but... I think they are good. I, I'm support. Obviously, I'm supportive of them. We have them. If if I didn't if I didn't believe that it was something that was important, we wouldn't we wouldn't have them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is. It it provides a level of transparency. Um, and and I do. You know, at first the officers were a little apprehensive about it, but it didn't take long when there were a couple of complaints that were unfounded because of you know the fact that they had the body cam mm-hmm. on and and what the person said. The officer did. It shows right there that they didn't so, do it. So it could be a useful tool so, for them. Yeah. yeah. So they're. I think the officers are supportive of body cams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's it's. I think it's an important piece of technology that I think will just probably continue to grow in the field of law enforcement. So pretty much every one of your patrol officers, while on patrol, will have a body cam. Now. Yes. Yes. And and but there's no expectation for that kind of thing among detectives. Well, we only have so many right now, and and so we're looking at. We just got a grant that we're going to take that grant money and put it towards the purchase of body cams. Um, you know, the goal would be for everyone to have their own. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not there yet, mm-hmm. but that's that's ultimately our goal. Okay, thanks. All right. If you want to join our conversation today with uh, Bloomington Police Chief Mike Decoff and Luke Britt, the Indiana Public Access Counselor, give us a call at 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348. From outside of the local calling area, you can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So, Luke, I want to go back to you. I know you were um, at the at the hearing, and I, I know you know there are a lot of different states and a lot of different municipalities that are handling this in different ways. I, I'm aware that uh, Seattle police preserve their body camera footage, and much of it they just post on YouTube. And yeah. the, South Carolina, I believe, doesn't doesn't keep anything, or maybe they don't even have body cameras. I'm not sure, but there's there there must be some happy medium. Do you think? 
Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of what I stress to the committee. You know, um, I don't think it's an all or nothing type situation. There's somewhere in the middle that that does achieve that balance. Um, I, I just think it's going to take a lot of thoughtful consideration and, and meaningful discussion with 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 all sides to come to that place where we do find a happy medium. You know, there's an ordinance in the city of Chicago that says, um, you know. Um, uh, only the footage that captures some kind of use of force by law enforcement would be potentially disclosable, you know, public uh, public record. You know, that would be that would be somewhere you know getting toward the middle. I don't know if that's the place where it needs to be necessarily, but it's it's closer to an all or nothing approach. Um, and and like you said, the city of Seattle, you know, they they filter everything through a face-blurring software to kind of redact uh, identity, and then they upload it all to a YouTube channel for the public to view. And then South Carolina takes the other approach where they said none of it's going to be, uh, you know, uh, public public record. So, yeah, there's going to be that, that happy medium where somebody can you – know, somebody's going to come up with the language, hopefully, that will uh, – that will achieve that goal. Mm-hmm. And the chief – mentions a, a very important element of this is that just the, the, the cost of retention alone mm-hmm. as it stands now um, all video footage is uh, you know can be recorded over and deleted after 30 days if it does not capture some kind of um, illegal or use of force element in the footage so it doesn't have to be kept indefinitely but that's a huge burden on law enforcement it's a huge cost as well not only are you paying for the hardware but also the 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 storage and uh the capacity for for keeping this um sometimes indefinitely now who's handling uh i mean who's who's looking into this in the legislature well, right now the uh, the study committee on, on, on government is, is looking at it right now. Um, that's chaired by Senator Bray, Roderick Bray. Um, and uh, but I think you know at that committee, a lot of the legislatures were very engaged and very interested in, in seeing what um, you know how what each side had to say about this. Um, and I say each side. I don't know that there's a side, but each, each perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I think that it's going to be an issue going forward. I, I, I don't think they're going to leave it alone. I think they're going to have that thoughtful consideration and discussion. Um, and I'm encouraged by the fact that, you know, they brought um, law enforcement in. They brought interested members of the public, you know, myself, the press. You know, everybody has a voice at the table. And, um, you know, when, when discussing something as important as this, I think that's the way it needs to be. All right. We're going to have to take a short break. You're listening to Noon Edition, and we're talking about uh, the use of body cameras and what should happen to the footage after there's some footage to be looked at. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, online at smithville.com, and IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiunews.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each weekday afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And we're talking about the use of body cams and what kind of footage should be made public with uh, two guests today, Michael Dekoff. Mike Dekoff is the chief of police of the uh, Bloomington Police Department. And Luke Britt is the Indiana Public Access Counselor. If you want to join the conversation, you can give us a call at 855-0811. That's an 812 number. 
811 here in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the local calling area. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash Noon Edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. A uh, representative from the Indiana ACLU was unable to be here today, but they did give us this statement on body cameras, and this is a quote. The ACLU generally takes a dim view of the proliferation of surveillance cameras in American life. However, police on body cameras are different because of their potential to serve as a check against the abuse of power by police officers, particularly that which takes place during routine encounters where police use excessive and sometimes fatal force against people of color. Unfortunately, some police officers and the departments they work for have not been held accountable for their actions. There is potential during these interactions to violate Fourth Amendment protections against unreasonable searches and seizures and due process rights under the 14th Amendment. For the ACLU, the challenge of on-body cameras is the tension between their potential to invade privacy and their strong benefit to promoting police accountability. Overall, the ACLU thinks body cameras can can be a win-win, but only if they are deployed within a framework of strong policies to ensure they protect the public without becoming yet another system for routine surveillance of the public and maintain public confidence in the integrity of those privacy protections. Without such a framework, their accountability benefits would not exceed their privacy risks. End of quote. All right. I want to ask uh, Chief Mike Dekoff to... Um, React to that if you if you would, and but but more than that, I don't want to put you on the spot. Um, just you know, talk about these. I guess the tensions that have arisen and the fact that you know. I mean, you just you heard the statement. I mean, so you know, the ACLU is saying they want to make sure and keep watching sure. you guys. Sure. Um, you know, I, I their statements, their statement. I mean, there's there's always. Um, you know, I, I don't disagree about the the tensions right now. I mean, we sense a, even locally, um, we haven't we have not had any incidents like that have happened in Ferguson and places like that. And so, um, you know, so I I get that the tension is out there, and um, you know, it's it's an incumbent upon law enforcement, I think, to um, take steps to reduce those tensions and and try to do things that. Um, uh, you know, instill confidence from the community. Um, you know, we we have taken additional steps um, and tried to do more community outreach and include um, the community in different things that we're doing. We've started new programs like Coffee with a Cop. Um, you know, it sounds pretty simple, and it's exactly what it is. I mean, we we show up at different places that will host us and and just open it up to people who live in those neighborhoods around those locations and. We spend an hour, hour and a half just being there answering questions and talking with the public. Um, you know, uh, most people, their interaction with law enforcement is when something bad happens. And so this just gives us an opportunity to, to be there. And, and if people want to stop by and chat, they can. Um, we started a um, uh, teen academy this past summer, which was hugely successful. We had 44 kids that were, were involved in that. You can't get 44 teenagers to do anything. Well, I know. I was, I was shocked, really, at the number. Um, but but uh, it was very well received, um, and again, that's a, that's just another way that we're trying to reach out to the community. We're starting a Explorers Post, which, um, if you remember, last summer IU hosted the National Explorers Conference in, here in, in uh, Bloomington, um, and there were I think three thousand plus kids that came to that conference, um, and we we started talking with the people who were putting it on, and they encouraged us to to start our own, our own post. And there hasn't been one in Monroe County for 25 years, probably. Um, so we, we put together an internal team of people to, to make that happen. And um, I think we're going to have 15, 16 kids involved in that. Um, so we're, we're, we're taking steps to try to reach out more to the community. Um, last January, we had a community conversation, and, and there, are, there are plans in the works to do more of those. Um, so uh, you know, it, it's extremely important that we hear the concerns, that law enforcement hears the mm-hmm. concerns of, of the people that they police. And, um, 
you know, we need to take steps to be transparent and, and be open so that there aren't those trust issues. All right. You have an opportunity to talk with uh, talk with Police Chief Mike Decoff today. And no also coffee, Luke, just talking. Right. Also, <laughs> Luke Britt, Indiana Public Access Counselor, about the use of body cams and how, when, when and if footage should be made available uh, to the public. So you can give us a call at 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of Bloomington. Or you can join the live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. I wanted to go back to something that Luke Britt said before uh, we uh, took the break or before when we were talking earlier about um, the potential for making these uh, body cam videos available when there's some use of, of force. And, you know, I think particularly about when a firearm is discharged. And, Mike, I wanted to ask you, you know, is that something that you think would be a good idea or what am I missing? Well, I think you have to, you have to look at – the investigation itself. I mean, if, if an officer discharges a firearm, obviously there's going to be some type of an investigation. Um, so before I think video is just released, I think you need to, to take into account whatever type of investigation there is and if that's going to do anything that jeopardizes that. I mean, if it's involved, um, you know, if there's a criminal case involved and, you know, the, an officer discharges his firearm in that criminal case, what type of impact is that going to have on if there's prosecution or anything like that? So, um, you know, I understand the, the community's, you know, desire to see evidence of what happened, but we also have to keep keep back in the backs of our minds that there, there are more than likely will be some type of criminal procedure that's going on, mm -hmm. and we don't want to jeopardize anything that's going on in those cases. Mm -hmm. All right. Luke, uh, if you could uh, react to that a little mm -hmm. bit. I mean, what in, the, in what you've seen and the laws that you've seen, of, uh, how, how has this been brought into the discussion? Sure. Well, I mean, I, I, I agree with the chief 100 percent. And when I'm making these decisions from the standpoint of what I do, I show a great deal of deference to law enforcement as the subject matter experts. They know what's going to compromise their investigations much, much better than I do. Um, on the same but you know the the other side of the coin though there there is a uh, an expectation that the public knows what their you know government agencies are doing law enforcement included um, and if there is a suspicion of abuse of power or abuse of discretion then um, you know they want to scrutinize any information available to make that decision for themselves. Um, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that, you know, as it stands now in Indiana with the investigatory record, it protects that, um, you know, law enforcement doesn't have to give out the information that would jeopardize that, that investigation. And I think that's a very important element that needs to be retained um, because, you know, they, they have to be able to do their jobs and, and, and to do it uh, the best way possible. And sometimes that means withholding information for a certain period of time uh, until that information becomes less sensitive to the investigation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I will say before I let Mary Catherine get a word in here that uh, that is a place where there are sometimes we have tensions, you know, the journalists have tensions because – you know, we think that something should be available for public scrutiny, and there, this this investigatory record exception is very broad, and it does give it do, it makes it difficult for us to sometimes get information we believe that the public has a right to see. Yeah, Luke, I was just trying to get a better idea of in in your position. Um, do you have situations brought to you where you uh, a police department does not want to uh, release some footage, and uh, so you you view it and you say, hey, you know, I really I think that based on you know everything that I've heard uh, and <clears throat> pardon me and seen that in fact I do think this should be released and then what happens if it, it, it has that happened and, and then what happens if it has well a lot of it has to do with timeliness so you know is a case prosecuted is a case adjudicated um, is the appeals process exhausted um, is the investigation complete and if that happens then I I, I when I tell law enforcement um, you know, if they're refusing to give up these records, I say, you know, is it um, in the best interest of, is, is it in the spirit of transparency to withhold this at this point? Mm -hmm. um, because, yeah, some, some agencies statewide do have a blanket policy that says any investigatory record, regardless of, 
its status or the progress of the case or the progress of the investigation, whether it's open or closed, we're going to withhold that indefinitely. That, sometimes that, that, that's their blanket policy, and I, I discourage that completely um, because I, I think that's a dangerous road to go down. Um, you know, we don't have secret police in this country. We don't, we don't want that, uh, and that's what these laws are in effect for. But the, the way the statute's written now, it gives them that very, very broad discretion. But I find that most law enforcement is, is reasonable, and they're going to um, realize that transparency is, is, is vital for their um, for their own um, credibility purposes. And so if I kind of give them a nudge in the right direction, more often than not, they're going to um, say, hey, we understand where you're coming from. This isn't going to compromise an investigation, so we'll release either footage or uh, information or whatever the case may be. All right. We're going to go to the phones now. We have a phone call from Stan from Bloomington. Stan? Hi. Uh, in light of what has just been discussed. I, I wonder whether it would be helpful to have a, a local well-known person, uh, well-known in the community, uh, accompany a police officer occasionally on his rounds. It might help make a connection. And uh, I, I understand the idea of, of, of withholding information it has to be something that that person would agree to. But um, the second part is I, I, I'm assuming that there's going to be additional costs uh, to have police officers uh, spending time meeting and greeting. I wonder if this is it, it's going to be budgeted. That's it. Okay. Thanks, Dan. Mike, you want to? Um, well, we have, um, we have programs where we allow um, citizens to do ride-alongs with police officers. Um, they can't necessarily get out of the car all the time because of safety concerns and, and liability and things like that. Um, but we have we have those we have that program we have our citizens police academy which goes into a lot of stuff that the officers do and and the public gets to see that and participate in some of those training things that they do um, the programs that that uh, we do where we're doing the community outreach um, usually those are done when when officers are already working on duty we just pull them off and have them have them do these programs also so um, there's there is but we do look at that with with regards to the budget and and we do budget additional monies when when we need to do that to cover some of those programs and it, it is true also your your resource officers downtown there are citizens that they interact with quite a bit and I'm, I mean not just the people that are on the streets but there are people from clergy and some of the social right. service mm -hmm. yeah the Shalom Center has a couple of street social workers that actually accompany the officers on their on their patrols mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. uh, our phone numbers again 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area WFIU.org slash noon edition is the website if you want to go join the live chat yeah, I, Mike, I was just curious. I, I know you're Bloomington Police Department, but um, you also work with um, IUPD and the Monroe County Sheriff's Department. Um, just do you know if they have body cams or what their I, policies are on that? I know IU is, I think they have an internal work group that's looking at it uh, to see how that, see what they need to do there. I'm not sure about the Sheriff's Office. I don't know if they have them or not. Okay, just wondering. Okay, so Luke, I know you were just uh, you just issued an opinion, I believe, on uh, involving the police department at Notre Dame, the University right. of Notre yeah. Dame. Could you just explain that uh, issue to us and and how you came down on the issue? Sure, it, that that's an interesting issue as well. Um, so private universities in Indiana are allowed to create their own police departments by statute. So they can uh, authorize officers to patrol not only the campus, but also the surrounding area. So up in uh, Notre Dame, not only do they have jurisdiction on the Notre Dame campus, but they also can make arrests and, and uh, patrol St. Joseph's County. Um, so when that came down, uh, or when, when actually ESPN made a request for uh, certain information regarding, uh, I think there was an athlete um, arrest and, and discipline that fell outside the university scope, so it wasn't purely disciplinary from a student perspective. It became a matter of law enforcement. And so the Notre Dame security force, uh, they, they call themselves a police force, and they're just like any other officer where they carry a gun and a badge and they have the full scope of authority. Um, they said, well, we're, not, we're, we're a private university. 
So therefore, we're a private law enforcement agency. We're like a like a security, um, you know, patrol at the mall or something like that. Except they they're different than just the regular security. They have full police powers. So my determination based on where their power was derived, not from the University of Notre Dame, but from the state of Indiana, um, was that they are a public police department no different than any other law enforcement in the state. So any, you know, their activities could be uh, scrutinized the same as any other county or municipal law enforcement agency. Um, and uh, so I said that their records, you know, the, the, the information that was being sought should have been given out. Mm-hmm. And so when you, when you issue an opinion like that, it, it is an advisory opinion, correct? That's um, correct, yes. Yeah. So, and then what? So what's happened, what's happened since your opinion? Well, um, ESPN brought a lawsuit against the university in St. Joseph's County um, and, and lost. The judge issued an opinion saying that uh, the way the statute is currently written, that the university can have this private police force, even though they can you know, patrol outside Notre Dame campus. Um, and, it, uh, and ESPN appealed that decision, and it's up on appeal. Interestingly enough, Ohio just went through the same process with Wittenberg University, and the court found the opposite. And the Court of Appeals affirmed that, you know, it's a bad idea to have secret police forces, and that, um, you know, the, the, the law enforcement in, um, it, you know, when it comes to private universities should be treated the same as, uh, as any other law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with this whole body camera footage, um, I'm not sure if, um, if IU has uh, body cameras for their police department, um, but I know that Butler University just recently decided to have body camera footage for their officers. And same type of thing. Their officers are, are, are full. Uh, they have full powers of any other police officer, yet under this statute and under this current ruling, they can operate in private, in secret. And so the footage that they capture from their body cameras wouldn't necessarily be disclosed upon a public records request because they consider themselves a, a, a private police force. Mm, okay. Well, I wanted, again, to, to uh, get in a little bit to how your office works. So as I understand it, uh, basically, someone that wants to sue under Indiana's public access laws um, should or maybe even needs to come to you to get an opinion that could help them in court. Is that? They don't have to, don't have but, to. It, it, but it is a good idea for a couple reasons. Um, there's case law that says that uh, the public access counselor's opinions carry a certain amount of weight in in court. So if they get a favorable opinion from me, then it becomes that much more likely that the court may agree with me as a subject matter expert. They don't have to follow my opinion. Um, technically, they can, they can view it with what's called a, a de novo standard of, of review, which means that you know, they, they look at it with all new evidence and, and all new eyes. Um, but they do view my opinion in a certain light and give it a certain amount of weight, um, at least as persuasive authority. Mm-hmm. Now, if they also go through me first, then they can, uh, whoever petitions the court can obtain attorney's fees and court costs if they're successful. And if a public agency has, has knowingly or intentionally withheld information that should have been given out and that petition is successful, then that public agency can be fined um, civil penalties for, uh, you know, the, the, for, for not doing what, they're, what they were supposed to do under the Access to Public Records Act. Okay. Okay. So, um, again, our, our numbers, well, let me give our numbers real quick because we only have about 10 minutes to go. So 812-855-0811 in Bloomington and one 285 outside of the Bloomington area. You can also join the live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So when we, you know, we're coming up on, uh, you know, the legislature will be back in session before we know it. It'll be just a couple of months. So, Luke, do you expect that this issue is going to get a uh, um, a thorough hearing this session? I do. That's my anticipation. Um, it's, you know, it, anything can happen, but they are uh, having another study, se- uh, study committee session 
here uh, in a couple weeks, and they've invited me back for that. So they're going to look at it some more. I'm sure they've gone and, and done their homework a little bit and talked to their constituents, um, and, uh, and, and hopefully we'll have some more thoughtful questions for me uh, and others during that session. Okay. Uh, Mike, do you know, has the FOP taken a stand on this one way or the other? Do they have an opinion? Uh, I've not heard that they have. Um, I know the local the local uh, FOP has not done anything. I'm not sure about the state. Yeah, I just wonder going forward with the legislature, yeah. uh, you know, what I'm, I'm what position? Aware. Yeah, no. okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, getting back to the the complexity of this issue, the issue that we started with with body cams. You know, I I mentioned that I you know I did write a column about about the issue, and it was mainly about how there are all these. Um, you know, these gray areas, and it's really difficult because, you know, I'm a guy that usually says, yeah, we should be releasing all this information, but but I do understand there are a lot of reasons not to. I think I concluded, well, I think that we should err on the side of disclosure. Um, and then I, I heard from someone that I know in the community who uh, disagreed with me very thoroughly, and, uh, you know, we had a very nice um, give and take about it, but it had to do with, you know, he, he had a member of his family who had been in a situation where, you know, she was beaten, and it would have been on a body cam footage, and he was just, you know, he was appalled at the, the notion that that could be made public somewhere. So then you get... We should say not by the police officer who she had been in a domestic violence situation. Exactly. Yeah, I'm sorry. Just to clarify. Well, you know... Thank you. (laughs) You know, though, you bring up a really good point, though, Bob, because prior to this technology, everything was documented in a case report. Mm -hmm. And so when you have a case report that's released and it's just, it's in in writing, Mm -hmm. you know, that's one thing. But now that officers are going to be able to record everything Mm -hmm. they do... It's a lot. I mean, it's it's much more raw. I mean, it's 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 you're going to see everything, and so it's it really is different. And um, you know, there there are a lot of people that have concerns. I mean, when our officers approach someone and they have the camera on, they ask, "Is that a is that a camera? And is it recording everything?" And um, so it it's it, it, there's I don't know that there's one answer that fits everything it's so it is it's extremely complex and and you have to consider all the privacy issues and all of that and um you know hopefully we if the legislature will come up with something that is is reasonable and is is in the middle like like luke's been saying it's it's a um i don't i don't think it should be an all or nothing i think there's there's um um, a lot of things to consider when when drafting whatever legislation might get drafted because there's there's Again, you're dealing with people, and that video is capturing people a lot of times at their worst. Probably not having a good day. No, and so, you know, again, a case report is one thing, but, you know, watching a video of somebody is is something different. And so there's just a lot that I think needs to be considered. Well, this is, I mean, this is an issue that, uh, you know, it's a societal issue Mm -hmm. with the amount of information that's out there available. Luke, in terms of, again, and I don't know how much you've studied other states that have tried to do something about this, but I, I wonder, you know, what is that happy medium in terms of you know, the police have discretion now over this. Um, you know, I, I, is there – would there be a review board? Would it have to go to the courts? Are there any interim steps where someone would say, you know, we really do believe that you should give this up? Or, I mean, how can, how can there be a middle ground, I guess? Yeah, I mean, right right now the way it stands, that's, that's kind of my office, you know, deciding, um, you know, if, if – that I'm that interim step before it goes to the judiciary. Ultimately, they're going to make the decision um, of what's what's disclosable and what's not, with the lack of a uh, of a meaningful statute. Um, but I've done an audit of of all 50 states about what they do, and and it's it's all over the map. Um, and you know those those legislatures are doing their best to incorporate all of these considerations, but it's it's very very difficult. There's no model policy, uh, because the model policy that's developed by law enforcement is going to be different than the model policy developed by the ACLU or any other kind, or the press, or any Mm -hmm. other kind of interest group. Mm -hmm. And so integrating all of those perspectives into a statute, I think, is the the task that's before the General Assembly. And I'm I'm hopeful, I'm encouraged that they're going to uh, uh, take all of that into account when when deciding what Mm -hmm. to do. 
Yeah, I mean, part of the issue is just that, that technology is moving faster than policies. Exactly. Yeah. Very, very many areas. Uh, we only have about two minutes, so I'm just going to ask each of you, Mike, first, is there, are there any other big issues in the law enforcement arena that you would like to see go before the legislature this year? Oh, boy. Um, I... I'm coming up with a blink right now. All right, big, well, we'll think about it for a minute. <laughs> you should have asked me that before I got here. Right, I sorry. Yeah. Luke, anything on the public access side? Well, interestingly enough, one of the two um, uh, laws that were passed by the legislature dealing with public access was or one of the one of the two vetoes that the governor uh, issued was was dealing with search fees for public records. Um, and and my office has kind of taken the stand that 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 search fees would be an impediment to public access, and, and the governor's office seems to have disagreed, or seems to have agreed with me and disagreed with the General Assembly uh, when they passed that uh, search fee authorization. So I'm encouraged by that, but I, I, I could see that come up again, uh, this legislature, um, and, and what that would do is would allow public agencies to charge a fee for not only copies of information that they give out, but for actually searching for those records. I have a quick question. Luke, are you aware of, there was a situation, I think it was somewhere out west, where somebody requested all of the body cam footage from a police department, and the department responded that it would take them years to respond to that request? You have 30 seconds, Luke. Okay. No, I'm, I'm not familiar with that particularly, but, but it raises an issue that requests for this kind of footage have to be specific enough so that law enforcement can go to the footage and, and fairly easily find what they're looking for to produce it. All right. Hey, thanks a lot for joining us today, Luke Britt, Indiana Public Access Counselor. And also, as always, thanks to Mike Dekoff, Chief of Police, Bloomington Police Department, for being here with us. For uh, Mary Catherine Carmichael, producer Drew Dodlin, and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington. Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. Publichealth.indiana.edu. And Smithville Fiber, the GigaCity company. Fiber Internet, HD, and digital IPTV in Southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com.